Emily's going to get my next therapy bill because that is terrifying and I don't want to be home alone now either. Welcome to the Books We Love podcast, a podcast of the Troy Public Library. Today, uh, joining Olivia and I will be our director, Emily Dumas, and it is going to be our spooky Ooh, Halloween ghosts spooky. and ghouls. Spooky. It's going to be scary. I'm terrified. And we're talking about scary stories to tell in the dark by Elvin Schwartz, Schwartz. not Alan Schwartz, as somebody kept saying. During the podcast, you might hear it. <laughs> Every time you hear Alan, give yourself a star on your good listener chart for the day. Yeah, throw back a shot of candy corn. Good call. Oh, I love candy corn. You can have all mine. Wonderful. I will expect a bag. Happy Halloween. Why did you choose scary stories to tell in the dark? Okay, so I'm an 80s baby. I spent my elementary school years in the 90s, and these books were huge in the 90s. And I was actually surprised. Doing some research for these, I never even realized they were, the first book was written in 1981. Mm -hmm. This whole time in my mind, I thought they came out like around 1990, because that's when they really blew up. And doing some research, it looks like the reason why is because of the scholastic book fairs. They they were putting these out in the book fairs. Apparently, too, I was reading on Goodreads, a lot of people were read these aloud by their teachers, too. Which That's how is, I discovered them. Yeah, the 90s them. were yeah. a different time. They That's how not. you discovered them? Yeah, a substitute teacher. We actually, so I was in Catholic school in fifth grade, and um, we had, um, my teacher had some health problems, so she was out for a little bit, and we had a sub, not a red flag in 1991, but a red flag nowadays is telling kids, I'm going to do this, but you're not allowed to tell your parents that I'm doing this. And that was her, <laughs> oh, that no. is the way she introduced these books to us. Your parents probably wouldn't like me to read you these stories, but who wants to hear a scary story? And everybody raised their hands. So then she was like, I can read you these books, but if you get too scared and have nightmares, you can't tell your parents that I read you these stories or I won't be able to read them again tomorrow. And she was there, I think for a week or two. And we worked our way through all three books. I was terrified, but I didn't want to tell my parents why, because I didn't want to be the reason that our teacher stopped reading them. I didn't want to be the classroom narc. So um, kind of some red flags. Never tell children that they can't tell their parents things if you don't know that rule already. But again, it was early 90s and people were different with children and adults were different and the world was a different place. So that's how I actually came across these. I think that's what's was so enticing about these books for me and my entire class. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's kind of a peer pressure thing. Everybody was reading them. Mm-hmm. So, and that was a thing too, is I would get together with friends and we'd like lock ourselves in a room and go through the books. And it always felt like this kind of forbidden fruit. Mm-hmm. And I never really wanted my parents to see what I was looking at. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, eventually they were forbidden in my house because I couldn't handle them. <laughs> Emotionally, I was just not ready for these books. Um, and I was staying up like all night long. I was having yeah. nightmares. And it was one of those things, though, where in the moment I was with friends and I'm like, oh, I can do this. You mm-hmm. felt bold. And I would read these stories and then freak myself out. As soon as you're alone, and you start to think yeah. about these, especially as you mentioned the Stephen Gamble and illustrations, which are the originals. And still as an adult, I'm looking at the cover and it's they're disturbing. But it's also beautiful. Like they're actually sort of beautiful illustrations. Uh, I found a whole, I, I went down a rabbit hole of scary stories to tell in the dark tattoos that people oh, have gotten. Sure. They've gotten lovely ones because, I mean, the artwork is very impressive and amazing, mm-hmm. but his style is haunting. And he's mm-hmm. done other, he did other picture books too. I mean, he did Song and Dance Man. I look at it and I'm like, no. no. <laughs> That's what I was actually like... saying to Olivia yesterday is his quote unquote normal, less scary, child-friendly illustrations because I know it's him and I know these books I can't look at them they still freak me out even though they're normal like Song and Dance Man which one him a Caldecott yeah it is still unnerving to me 
I don't know. I can't. I can't disassociate him Just from so this iconic. work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He did not need to do this much for kids, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what makes the books. And yeah. we're going to talk a little bit about how they kind of watered them down for a number yes. of years, too, yeah. and how it's yeah. not the same. So and I think it's the illustration. I don't know if Stephen Gamble's still alive or not. I know Elvin Schwartz died relatively young. Like, he died in the 90s, I think, when he was 61. And if Stephen Gamble's still alive... One day when he passes on, I will never remember him for anything else. I mean, I yeah. feel like this is his lasting work for our generation of kids. Um, Emily, going back to what you were saying earlier about finding this in the 90s, and myself included, um, so as you mentioned, the first book came out in 81, so it's just over 40 years old. Um, there was a big um, push by a school in, I want to say it was Washington state where yeah. they tried to ban this. And that was in the early nineties. And so Elvin Schwartz was actually really happy because it brought more attention to the books and more kids started reading it. So I'm wondering if that was why it kind of re kind of rebooted oh, 10 sure. years later, yeah. besides like the scholastic book fairs, I wonder how much of it was, it would have sat on the shelf, but because it was getting national attention, anytime people are told not to read certain things, you know, we're going to go and do it. Right. Yep. And I think so. this one is kind of a unique banning, too, because it really just kind of hinged on that they were scary. They yeah. were giving kids a nightmare. I mean, yeah. they, they did mention the violence, and some of these were pretty violent reading yes. them. I'm like, oh, I don't remember how gruesome they were. Yep. But, um, yeah, I mean, it really, like, I think that was the heart of it is they were scary. They were giving kids nightmares. Yep. They were just too Horrible ghoulish for a owls. lot of people's yep. taste. And One of the moms also mentioned the cannibalism in some of them. And I was like rolling my eyes. And then I started rereading them in the last few days. And I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot about some of these. And as an adult, I can kind of laugh about it. But I'm sure as a kid that freaked me out that they're yeah. you know, talking about eating someone and all this stuff. But again, we know it's silly it's folk tales it's supposed to be ridiculous to a certain extent and a little scary well right and there's that's what makes it different too because when when i was like in third second grade when people are really reading the scary stuff it was goosebumps so goosebumps mm -hmm. was like huge and i think the difference is and rl stein is in that scary stories documentary and he mm -hmm. says the difference is alan Sch schwartz would research folk tales like he actually was a scholar of like mm -hmm. traditional folk tales. And there's a whole big thing in the back of the book about like where they came from, these different folk tale mm -hmm. traditions across the world. And Arl Stein was like, I've never done a minute of research in my life. So, cause it's like <laughs> different between like this, like gratuitous, yeah. scary yeah. goosebumps and like something that actually has historic and scholarly. What was the scary movie that they made in the late nineties, early two thousands with some of these stories in it? Was it Urban Legend? Urban Legend, yeah. where it's got the person in the back seat. Yeah, when the guy's flashing the lights. Yeah, total yes. eclipse of the heart playing. Yeah, in <laughs> that, and I think that came out like my senior year of high school or early college, and I remember watching that. And it's not that that movie was terrifying because I watch horror movies and I watched way scarier things, but it tapped into something from when I was a kid that made it even more scary because I was telling you guys before we started taping there's certain stories in here that have stuck in my brain, like the babysitter, the headlight one where the person's following her home and keeps flashing the headlights. And I don't want to give away too much in case you've never read these. These are really creepy to read around Halloween. Make sure you get the actual, um, the copies with the Stephen Gamble illustrations. And we'll talk more about that. And I think in a few minutes, but they're the true original ones and they make it terrifying mm. and to read it in a dark room or to read it and have the windows cracked and have the breeze coming in and the creaking of trees i think it will take you back especially for a lot of people who haven't read this in 30 years like me it seemed from the documentary too that a lot of people who were wanting to ban it hadn't read it yes. which makes me think that they looked at the illustrations and were scared and that's about as far as they went so maybe they didn't understand the folklore mm -hmm. well so i'm sure they probably sense. heard those a lot of those stories before too sure. because a lot of like we said and that was interesting to read the back too because i always skip that part yeah. <laughs> but as an adult i was reading back and most of these were campfire yep. stories or folklore tales that are passed down stories that we've all heard i mean i think we've yeah. all heard the hook story i was before. about to say i heard the hook hand when yeah. i girl scout camp before yeah. you even read this book and even like the right. viper, the funny one, the window yeah. viper. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm sure the parents had heard those before. Yeah. But yeah, again, I think it was the illustrations yeah. that did it too. I think if they had published it with these 2011 kind of wimpy <laughs> illustrations, yeah. I think there would have been no problem at all. No. People wouldn't even know yes. it. They would have just said, oh, it's the ghost stories we grew yeah. up on. Yes, I agree with that. 
I, I think there's also the difference, thinking about the difference between the R.L. Stein and these. There's the folklore element, but there's also the element of um, the kid who's reading it is put in the role of the storyteller. Like they tell mm-hmm. you, like it gives you little... So it does sort of, it like breaks the fourth wall kind of, and it's like, okay, now this is when you would like stomp your foot and this is yeah. when you would scream. So it's not, I wonder what, I didn't watch the movie, like the film version. Did you guys watch it? I did. I, so how do they, do they put you in that storyteller role in the movie? Do they break the fourth wall? Kind no, of? not from what I remember. I mean, I saw it when it came out, which I feel is like 2019. I think it was right before COVID. Um, they focused on a couple main stories from the book. There's the one with the scarecrow that comes alive. There's the um, girl with the spiders in her skin. Yes. And then there was, I think there were four stories from the books and it happens, each of the stories happens to one of the kids and I can't remember how they tie it all together, but it was creepy. It's not terrifying. Um, honestly, it's a PG-13. Yeah, and I honestly feel like the books to me Again, I think it's the illustrations were way scarier than the movies. There's something hokey about and Hollywoody about watching fake spiders come out of someone's skin. It's still creepy, yeah. but it's like, eh. it's not scary like your imagination exactly when you're a kid. And going back to like the breaking down that wall, I thought that was really cool when I was rereading these. You know, he gives you the instructions on how to scare other people. So it's almost like you could read this story to your friends at a campfire. And, you know, right when you get to the scary part in the book, it tells you scream really loud. You know, it's like, that is I love that they're giving this giving you this recipe to freak out other people so it's less scary for you right when you're in in control of how it's happening I imagine that would be really empowering for a kid like they're Mm -hmm. the ones in control of the suspense and they get to scare the people so there's like joy in that and being Mm -hmm. the storyteller but there's also this joy of being the one who's having the story told to you and, Mm -hmm. and being afraid so why did you like them do you think Emily do you like being scared Yeah, you know, and I think that's something that every kid does like on some level. And I also think adults, too. That's Mm -hmm. the reason why we go to haunted houses and why we watch scary movies. And, you know, I'm seeing it with my daughter, too, is that she's it's like kind of this push and pull where she wants to look at the scary stuff and then she'll get freaked out and then Mm -hmm. she can't sleep. But it's just this draw we have to these kind of just you know these scarier elements and seeing what's out there Mm -hmm. and um this was i had pretty protective parents as far as what i watched in movies and everything like this so Mm -hmm. i felt like this was really my first foray into actual yeah yeah horror genre yeah yep um and I, you know, though, I will say to this day, looking through these again, I still think these are some of the scarier images I've ever seen yeah, after watching a lot of <laughs> yes. scary movies. And um, no, these these images, because they look like they came from a nightmare. That's how yeah. I describe yes. them. I think yes. he captured nightmare visualization. Oh, gosh. Imagery. Yes. yes. I was reading an article last night about the artwork in this, going back to Stephen Gamble, and I can't remember, but another um, famous illustrator, another Caldecott winner, was talking about Gamble's pictures in these books specifically and the way that it's terrifying and how he uses white space sometimes to pull something to the forefront and white space to cloud something out to make it even scarier, where it's like it could be the use of in the picture where it looks like fog or where it clouds out someone's face and it makes it terrifying right when you can't actually see like what does the person's face look like why is the fog rolling in what's it going to cover what's it going to uncover when it dissipates right Um, my parents were the same too they were extremely particular about what they let us watch um, which is interesting because my parents were thrilled how much I read as a kid so they never questioned what I was reading I guess they always sort of assumed I would tell them like if it was something I was concerned about or confused about or whatever. So this too was like my thing, my first introduction. And then I kind of rolled into like R.L. Stein's Fear Street when I was a teenager and Christopher Pike, which he didn't really seem to stick out as hard as R.L. Stein's still around. Christopher Pike, I feel like was very much of the nineties. And um, I think for me, like the fear thing, it's like, I grew up in the country. I was always scared because I'd mean older brothers that would terrify me about werewolves and all the things that were probably in our yard at night, but not really. But I feel like reading these kinds of books, it was like, I like to be scared, but I was scared of being scared, but I could close the book and have control over that fear versus my brothers. It was like constant. So for me, and even as an adult, I don't read scary books. I can't read Stephen King. 
that stuff sticks in my head too long, but I love horror films, like really disturbing stuff because I can like be done with it. And I'm like, la la la, I'm not, it's gone. It's gone. But a book stays so much longer. Like I still think about these stories. Yeah. Which is crazy. The babysitter. Well, that's one thing. Uh, The babysitter story is interesting Mm -hmm. because there's one in the documentary. I can't remember who said this. One of the scholars that they interviewed talked about the scariest location for a story. Mm -hmm. And she said that kids will often say like, Oh, a graveyard or a haunted house or like, Mm -hmm. and she said, no, the scariest place in the world is your home. Yes. But something's wrong. Cause your home is supposed to be safe, safe. Or like when the dog sings. Oh my gosh. I bookmarked that one. (laughs) Cause your dog is supposed to be the most comforting. Like and he keeps singing louder and louder, and the kid's thinking, oh, my gosh, he's going to give me away. It's that giving me here. chills just talking. Can you imagine so that if your dog just started singing? And you, <laughs> it's and terrifying. you hear image. something outside the house, and you're like, shh, shh, shh. Yeah. No, no. Right. Yeah, because the dog's giving the person away, right? They keep hearing this voice, and the dog is answering. So the yes. dog's, like, betraying the owner. They're obviously yes. possessed or something. That is disturbing. Yeah. yeah. That they yeah. turn the dog against the owner, too. Yeah. He goes from being man's best friend to, like, right. Oh, evil nemesis like okay yeah. he's drawing whatever is outside into the house now nope yeah my worst shouldn't have dogs stick with cats they would never sing they would just <laughs> roll over and look really disturbed and mad about what was happening the cats the cats would just no one's like, gonna possess a cat no. they're gonna be like yeah right. they're like excuse me i'm in possession of myself so back off i'm gonna possess you <laughs> <laughs> and then the ghoul's like putting food in their bowl <laughs> it's I so hope gross. you like Purina. <laughs> Apparently, they sell like Dracula. <laughs> Count Chocula was that a Count Chocula's voice? It was. Maybe the Count from Sesame Street a little bit. There's a lot of counts. There are. You can count the counts. You can. So I did a, a little bit of research outside of just watching that documentary and having okay. nightmares. Um, there was a. <laughs> I was interested in why some people like to be scared, so I looked up that, and there was an article called "Why Do Some Brains Enjoy Fear" um, mm-hmm. in the Atlantic by Allegra Ringo, and she interviewed Dr. Margie Kerr, who is, she's a sociologist, she's a professor, she's a fear sort of scholar and specialist, but she also works at Scare House, which is a haunted house in Pittsburgh. So she like consults on how to make the haunted house as scary as it possibly can. Yes. And she said three things that I thought kids might respond to uh, in terms of fear. So the first is just a normal thing. When you have that thrill feeling, you get Mm -hmm. adrenalines and endorphins and some people, but not everybody get a big surge of dopamine after they feel fear. So it's Mm. this like chemical reaction. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like relief or you have, she said over and over, you do have to feel safe. So even if you get scared, it's like that jump scare and then you're laughing immediately afterwards. So it's that relief feeling. And then she said that people feel confident after they've gone through a scary situation. So it's like, I got through that haunted house or I watched a scary movie and kids like that Mm -hmm. because it's it's sort of like what you were saying, Emily, like you put yourself through it and you were like, I have to know what happens in this book. It's like a curiosity. And then once you're done, you're like, I did it. And then she said that people tend to feel bonded after experiencing a scary situation together, Mm -hmm. which I definitely saw with the kids in school when they were reading Goosebumps. It would be like they had to do it because everyone else was doing it and then they could talk about it and watch the movies together. Mm -hmm. And like listening to scary stories around a bonfire is like a bonding experience. Mm -hmm. Did I say bonfire? You said bonfire. bonfire? You said bonfire, I think. A bonfire. <laughs> kind of bond. Is. We are bound together by the bonfire. Yeah, they do the bonfire. We bond. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's just that collective. I don't think these stories would have been as fun, and I probably wouldn't have been able to read them had not the rest of my class and my friends all Mm -hmm. read them. It's funny, one of the memories, because, you know, we talked about, too, the read-aloud aspect, and I remember reading it back and forth to each other, too, was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I just remember I was at my cousin's house, and he had a neighbor girl, and, you know, it was like boys against girls, so she and I broke off, and we went to her house, and we locked ourselves in her bathroom, to read these the, the stories and um i came across it was the clinkety clink one it was mm-hmm. just the very creepy story of uh, like an old lady ghost um trying to come back and get her money but as we were reading the windows 
I swear, I remember the window was shut and it started clicking the blinds. <laughs> and nope. maybe in our uh, vivid imaginations, it was probably open. It was the wind, yeah. but we were convinced that the the window was shut. Just. <laughs> screaming and running out of the house. And mm. I thought I was going to die in that moment. But you know what? It was fun. And again, it was kind of this yeah. bonding experience where we knew right. what we went through. <laughs> even, yes. if, even if those boys didn't believe us, yes. we knew how and scary you, it was. you survived the clinkety-clink ghost. Yes. Like you're like, yes. reading she the story, we brought her back, but we survived it. Right. Yeah. Well, they mm-hmm. even covered Bloody Mary in there, too. And that was yeah. another thing, too, I used nope. to do with my that friends. No, us, yeah, us, too. That used to scare me so bad. Yeah. And yeah. I would, I would go into the bathroom and shut the door and shut the lights off. And it, it would be like, yeah, self-inflicted, scaring. And then the adult version of Bloody Mary is Candyman because you're supposed to go in the bathroom. I'm not even kidding. Right. You say his name and then he's behind you. Yes. I remember seeing that movie in high school and we had to turn it off halfway through because everyone was so scared. And we had to put Sleeping Beauty or some car- Disney cartoon on, a bunch of 14-year-old <laughs> girls so we could go to sleep. And I remember I could not go in the bathroom without the lights being on for, I'm not even kidding, like five or 10 years, even though I was like in college, because I would always think about Candyman standing there. You said it twice now. Stop. Don't, don't do that. Olivia and I are backing away. (laughs) I'm not calling him. I'm just using his name in a story. Great. Thank you. Oh, for you're going to be terrorist. counting now. <laughs> I know. Now when I get home, I'm going to be looking in the mirror like, what's happening? That's so doesn't mean. it make you want to say it again? No, it really doesn't. Did you see the movie? No. He has like bees coming out of his mouth and stuff. No, I don't want him to come to my house. I don't like honey that much. No, thank you. I'm not seeing Hard pass. No idea. <laughs> that's a nice way. That's like a fun way to keep bees. I'm though. trying to make it not scary. I'm that's already good. freaked yeah, out. Making thank something you for that. silly. There are silly stories in here, too. There are some silly stories in there. And he talks about that, too, kind of like whistling by the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how it's sometimes you make light of things that are absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, that this, this, I love the way this, these books are broken up, too. They start they start strong with some really scary stories. I think, did they start with the jump scares, too? Uh, I just remember the, where's my toe? Yeah, yeah so they do start with a jump scare mm-hmm. section. Then it goes into, see, and I found this to be the creepiest section, section two. He heard footsteps coming up the cellar stairs is the the title of that mm-hmm. collection of stories. And those were more of the ones people appearing or coming for you. And oh. that to me is the, the yes. scariest idea. Yes. It's just something getting closer, I think mm-hmm. is just such a scary concept. And I bookmarked um. Oh, they have the haunted house, mm-hmm. which is a really good one, and has probably one of the creepier pictures too of the school. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, yes. no eyes. I think that's one of the more iconic pictures from it. But the thing, this was what I found to be the scariest story in the first one. It's called the thing, and again, mm-hmm. it's just this kind of ghost figure keeps getting closer and closer yes. to people as they watch it out on a porch. Okay. And I felt like Harold the Scarecrow was kind of a similar story uh, to that too. The scarecrow. Yeah. No. So in the thing, it's a person who ha- is wearing very normal clothes mm-hmm. and is staring at you, which is a lot of the scare mm-hmm. of it. Even the the other illustration that Emily mentioned, which is the person, the woman with the empty eye sockets. Yes. She's you know her face is right at you. Oh, there's something so unnerving about knowing that someone's staring at you and then doesn't stop when they see you. Yeah. Yeah. Noticing them. And I think there's something about that in these stories where it's like the ghost doesn't care. It's like that social norm of what's kind of social socially acceptable behavior between two people gets put away and the ghosts when they keep advancing or they keep staring at you, even though they know that you see them, that freaks me out. Like yes. even people when you when you see people out in public and it's like sometimes it's like they're looking past you at someone else trying to like make eye contact. I'm always like weirded out and I'm doing the like looking over my shoulder like, are you looking at me or are you looking at somebody else? Because now I'm creeped out. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's something about that. It's making you the center of something too. Yes, that you don't like, want to be part of. That's a big thing with people who have anxiety is they think everyone's watching them. And yes, and judging. And, you know, as you get older, you realize no one really cares about you that much. And there's mm-hmm. sort of a relief in that. Yeah. But yeah, that, I mean, and that's nightmares too, is that it's, it's always, you know, for whatever reason why anyone would want to murder you, it's mm-hmm. you are the important part. Well, the thing too, and I'm sorry, I'm going to give a spoiler for this one because I thought the ending was so good of that story too, 
is it's the guy's corpse. It's like this. Is the prediction. Harold one that you're talking no, about? No, this no, is the thing. thing. Oh, so the this thing. one where okay. it's, a, it's a guy. like a skeleton in a suit. And it turns out that's what the one guy looks like when he dies. So he yeah. was like seeing himself, a vision of himself as yeah. a corpse, yep. which makes that so much more haunting that that's, this vision of himself is coming closer and closer to him. That's just creepy. That's the familiar being strange again. Yeah. Too. And even the picture, it, it kind of has this like, if you just, you know, blocked out the head, it has this mm-hmm. sort of fatherly figure to it. Like it yeah. had, he's just wearing like this dad kind of clothes, Mm-mm. but it's like a, yeah, corpse. Do you guys have a favorite? Horrifying. Is your favorite the thing, Emily? Or a yes. couple of favorites? Oh, the, the Wendigo too was yeah. the other one that, that was the one that really pushed me over to the edge. And that's what got the books <laughs> banned in my household. Was um, So that is, and I was reading up on it and it's almost like, I kind of feel like they adapted parts of a Native American legend. Um, and Native Americans told it a little bit differently. It's more like almost like this kind of like Bigfoot creature. Whereas in this story, it seems to be a flying, a winged creature. Mm-hmm, which um, is even more terrifying. Yes, but again, it comes to that like calling to the people giving them this warning that they're coming Mm -hmm. before they come Mm -hmm. which was just and they're out in the woods which that's my my scary place you know that's Mm -hmm. if i envisioned yeah where where would be the most terrifying for me it would be the woods Mm. so yeah that one was the one that i listed as my favorite but also the most terrifying to Mm -hmm. me Mm-hmm. What do you think it is about the woods that scares you? The unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Getting lost, too. So I actually right. think the scariest movie is The Blair Witch Project, which I know is controversial. Oh, a lot of no. people, you know, some people watch and be like, what's the big deal? You don't see anything. But to me, that's the, the scary part is the unknown. Yeah. And that you, you're you on unfamiliar terrain. You don't know where you're going and you could be up against something that knows those woods really well. Yeah. Um, or even just, you know, in, in a real life scenario, you're up against nature right. and you don't Starvation. know you're you're out of place there. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're not prepared for that. So it's the idea of both being vulnerable um, the potential to not know where you're going to get lost and then to have a more experienced predator possibly mm-hmm. stalking you mm-hmm. is what's terrifying to me about the woods it's funny too i don't know if you guys do this but when you read stories if you envision specific places that you know i always picture with like pretty much all these stories my aunt and uncle lived in rochester and had this like really like an acre of land and it was kind of just creepy kind of had like this pet cemetery like the trees and everything and like yeah. pathways and and that's always what I envision with that. Mm, and I go right to that. That's like wow. my scary place. The original Pet Cemetery. Oh, I won't yeah. even say it if people haven't seen it. The original one to me is just, and I've seen the new one too. Stephen King stuff, his his older movie versions, the same with It, the original It that came out, the miniseries with uh, Tim... Curry. Tim Curry is it terrifying. I think more. I think those are scarier than the, the yeah, new ones. Yeah, because the new ones, they put too much computer animation yeah. into it. It makes it too cartoony to me. When he looks like a friendly clown. Person, yeah. That's what makes it scarier. Oh, my God. Tim Curry, when he's like, aha, aha, aha. I like can hear that in my head when I see balloons, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't like it. Yeah. What is it about yep. clowns? That's a whole different thing we need to unpack with a therapist present i think a, a wolf in sheep's clothing is what i think yeah. of clowns. which is funny because ronald mcdonald's a clown and when we were kids didn't everybody want to go to mcdonald's i, I like love ronald us. mcdonald okay he's a he good clown to me, me. no no i went i i want to say no to drugs poster contest <laughs> elementary school and they brought ronald mcdonald to be on like we were on public access tv <laughs> so i think he was like the mcdonald's orange drink but, Mc, but i stand next to ronald mcdonald and i swear they got the real ronald mcdonald he sounded and acted just like him and he was so nice so yeah. i have nothing but love for ronald mcdonald <laughs> <laughs> he's cool uh, yeah. leave him alone oh, um did you have a favorite you know no, I didn't read these as I mean I didn't read them as a child but reading them now yes. um the girl who stood on a grave okay yes. was creepy mm-hmm. too. yes I grew up not far from a cemetery so after I read that I could not look at the graveyard at night for a very long time so in the documentary too there was a lot of talking about death and people who were really into thinking about death mm-hmm. and making it like fun mm-hmm and normally I would be fine with that, but I did like recently just go to a funeral, so it hit me different. Mm-hmm. Like that sort of like reveling in death and singing funny songs about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
so going to a funeral, you kind of like have to confront death and mm-hmm. like see like someone actually get buried and see people mm-hmm. like actually grieving and there's nothing really fun or funny about it. Mm-hmm. But I do also understand why people need to make it fun and funny. And I do understand mm-hmm. like it's this incomprehensible thing that we know is going to happen to every single yeah. one of us our whole life. So I do understand like a coping mechanism is sure. to just make it funny. Well, and I think too, because... um the kind of way I feel like they're kind of dispersed a little bit throughout the story. I kind of took it as like, it's almost like a palate cleanse or you get so much fear and then he'll put in something that's really silly. Like the horse one where it's the drawing is like the most ridiculous looking little stunted donkey. It yeah. looks like, um, oh, Parks little Sebastian. <laughs> it reminded me of like a really weirdly drawn little Sebastian. If you're a Parks and Rec fan. Um, but yeah, it's like that kind of stuff to me. I remember reading that and being like kind of eye roll. Cause it's like really silly song, but it's also like, okay, phew this one's not scary. I can catch my breath. And then am I going to like do the next one or am I going to stop here before I go to bed? Mm. Right. Like, do I, do I end it on a high note or do I, I read one last night that, you know, it was like creepy, but I'm like, whatever, I'm an adult. It's not that scary, but I totally had a nightmare last night. Mm-hmm. I had a nightmare. I actually texted my friend this morning to see if she was okay. Cause it was such a real nightmare. And the violence action was taking place at her house and it was that she was in a dangerous situation and it was so real that I texted her first thing I'm like are you okay and she's like yeah why I'm like oh my god I had the scariest nightmare about something bad that was happening to you Elvin Schwartz those are always my worst ones it's true is when somebody I know is like imperiled and some yes. like monsters and stuff aren't now nice. Emily said what her scariest place is being in the woods what's yours um uh a uh, doctor's office maybe like oh, it's oh, like that's deep <laughs> I know, well because right? i think it's i think it's also a vulnerability thing yeah and unknown just, of what they're gonna tell you yeah. could be like hey you're dying tomorrow surprise and it's then they're like just kidding it's more like the like in the dentist when they lean you back in the chair and like you can't do anything they're just gonna put those instruments in and you don't know what's gonna happen yeah mm. yeah I you like know it. so i i'm thinking about something too we talked about how it's scary when it becomes relatable. And I think that's the thing is why this was more fun for me as a child was because I hadn't experienced mm-hmm. any tragedy or death. Yeah, Life was yeah. pretty easy. Um, you know, so that's why I had the luxury of finding fear fun. Yeah. Now that I'm older and, you know, I've been through more stuff, it's not yeah. as fun for me anymore. And you were talking about Pet cemetery. The scariest part to me, and I won't spoil it for people, is the truck scene, which yes. anybody who's seen yes. that... Because as a parent, like when my my girl was a toddler, I was just terrified by that scene because it was so real and I could see my family member in it. Yes. And again, I remember watching as a teenager and not having yeah. that emotional connection to it. So I think it's when you make that emotional connection yeah. that... Yeah. That makes that 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 makes it takes the fun out of it. Yeah. And that's why I kind of like now the more outlandish stories with like monsters and ghosts and things like that. Like I can't do tragedy or anything like that. Yeah. Did when did having your kid change the way that you saw like true crime or any sort of Yes. Yeah. 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 So there's some anything that involves kids I usually just turn off. I have a really hard time with. Yeah. And it's weird because I do like true crime, but then sometimes I get really burned out in it. Sure. Because I'm like, there's so much tragedy in Mm, the world. And you start to think those are real people on the other end of it. They have real families. And so I do. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I do listen to it. Mm, But, you know, it, it does. Like when you can make that emotional connection and... Yeah, I think definitely these stories as an adult, some of it, it's like, yes, there's ridiculous stuff in there, but some of it, you can really put yourself in that point of view more than you could when you were 10 and you're like, that's never going to happen. And it's like, people are crazy. Anything's possible. I don't know. You know, it's like people do crazy stuff all the time. So yeah, we should do a whole episode on true crime. Oh, I really should. Because yeah, because I think it's even interesting to think about like how it makes you see other people. I watched... Mm -hmm. What was that one about the guy? Allegedly, the police really botched the investigation. Making a murderer? Yes. Yeah. That, after I watched that, like, I felt like I couldn't even go to, like, Walgreens because I was like, people are so scary. I hate everybody. And that's Mm -hmm. a little bit weird, too, to, like, be suspicious of everybody. Yeah, but sometimes after you watch that stuff, it really does push you to some outer limits in your thinking of, like, you know, it's like, that's why maybe binging certain things, it's like, uh, take a deep breath, or you binging. let yourself go down that rabbit hole where you're like, 
who can I actually trust? Like, oh my gosh. Yes. What's the show that was on in the 90s? Is it Twin Peaks that was the scary one? Yeah, like the supernatural things happening. Oh my gosh. I binged watch that one weekend when I lived in Ohio and I was literally so scared. I ordered takeout three meals that weekend because I didn't want to leave my apartment because I was so freaked out. I'm like, oh my God, like certain things get into your head and it's like, did I go to work on Monday? Yes. But that weekend while I was sitting at home and I kept fixating and thinking about how terrifying those, the things were that came out of those episodes, I was like, I'm not leaving my house. Like to heck with everything. Like there's crazy (laughs) stuff out there and who can I trust? Yeah. It'll mess with your sense of trust. Yeah. Well, and that's why, so I wanted to give a shout out to more scary stories to tell in the dark, which Mm, is the sequel. And they had three. I don't have the third one with me, but the scariest story I think I've ever heard is in this one. And Mm -hmm. it's called Oh Susanna. So it, and the reason why it's so scary to me is because it seems like something that could actually happen. And it's kind of left on, is this a dream? Is this real? And that sense of dread and terror is so real to me that I, anytime I'm home alone, I have Mm -hmm. to have the lights on. Mm -hmm. I still can't sleep in the dark if I'm alone because of that story. (laughs) So no, it it freaked me out. That one scarred me (laughs) for life. And it was that story right there. You're going to read it to me. Oh, you want to? Okay, I will read it to you. All right. Oh, Susanna. Susanna and Jane shared a small apartment near the university where they were students. When Susanna got back from the library one night, the lights were out and Jane was asleep. Susanna undressed in the dark and quietly got into bed. She had almost fallen asleep when she heard someone humming the tune to the song, Oh, Susanna. Jane, she said, please stop humming. I want to get some sleep. Jane didn't answer, but the humming stopped and Susanna fell asleep. She awakened early the next morning, too early, she decided, and was trying to get back to sleep when she heard the humming again. Please go back to sleep, she told Jane. It's too early to get up. Jane didn't answer, but the humming continued. Susanna became angry. Cut it out, she said. It's not funny. When the humming still did not stop, she lost her temper. She jumped out of bed, pulled the covers off Jane, and screamed. Jane's head was gone. Somebody had cut off her head. I'm having a nightmare, Susanna told herself. When I, w- when I wake up, everything will be all right. That's the end of the story. So is it real or is it a nightmare? Well, my cousin told me a different version. I don't know where he heard it, but he said there was an old man sitting in the rocking chair humming with her head and a knife. Oh, <laughs> and my that, gosh. So that's what I always envision it ending. But I kind of like that they left that on a big question mark. You're not no. sure if this is real. It would be that sense of, you know, where you just would pull up the covers no. and you wouldn't want to do anything at all because you know somebody's in the room with you. I feel like I blocked that story out from my childhood and Emily's going to get my next therapy bill because <laughs> that is terrifying and I don't want to be home alone now either. <laughs> Yes, and the Oh Susanna, it's such like a chipper song, mm-hmm. yeah, then it's used in that mm-hmm. creepy way. And he knows her name, her name is Susanna. Yeah. And mm. I think there's something really scary in the time when we know that something has happened to her friend, but she's still talking mm-hmm. to her, but she's just talking mm-hmm. yeah. to her. But she's God. been dead the whole night while Gross. she came in and Gross. went about her business. I think oh. the setting, too, that, it's you know, a lot creepy. of these are kind of older, like you think they were taking place in the 1800s, mm-hmm. but that one is college students. Yeah. Yeah. And they said that that was actually a story that college students told each other. I think, like, the 60s is when they yeah. had the first recording of it, but they would scare each other with it. And it does, like, wouldn't you just always go and check your roommate oh then? Kind of like, I always check the backseat of my car. I yes, because the story, a hundred percent. That story in the book, I always check the backseat of my car because I always wet. look in the closets and under my bed when yep. I stay like in a hotel. Oh, and good idea. Yeah, no, because I don't know. Yeah, yes. I always go down and check the basement when I'm home alone and everything. And right. So you're brave, though, to check the basement. See, I just lock it <laughs> and I set the alarm. We I have an alarm for my basement. We don't even have a door down there yet. There was one and we Ugh. actually took it off during our renovations. And I told my husband, I'm like, I want to put that door back on. I want the door back on so I can shut that. Know yeah. that that's shut. Yeah. So if I hear it open, I know there's something wrong. Oh, God. There's another scary place, basements. Yeah. That was actually my that's scary place yours. was basements. Um, my brothers messed with me a lot when I was a kid and they would, we'd all go down in the basement and they would run up the stairs really fast and slam the door and they lean against it. So I couldn't get out. So basements are my place. Your brothers are evil. My my brothers were so mean. We like each other as adults, but I always tell my brother's kids, I'm like, your dad was so mean to me when we were little. And I'm like, but you guys like each other now. I'm like, it took a lot of years to get past some of the mean (laughs) stuff we did to each other. Oh my, I was, I was 
horrible to my sisters. I was just... You were older, right? Yes. Okay, I was the youngest of four. I was just... They were monsters. Horrible. I was... Yeah, <sighs> and I feel very guilty about it now, but at the time it was like... It's kind of fun you to mess with people a little it. bit. Yeah, yeah you do. I did it to my younger cousins. That's how I got, because I was the youngest in my family, oh. so I would do stuff to my younger cousins just to kind of like do it to somebody else to see I what it was like and there's a little like, there's a little fun in that yeah it was fun sometimes it felt like i it was my duty like i had to yeah. scare them into not doing things yes like my sister would always look down sewage grates when we'd go walking and oh it was annoying God. me because it would slow us down so then I told her that someone lived down there and they were going to reach out their hand. From the I mean, a clown. It, it, it a clown is a very real thing. Let's go back to it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> circle. Think of he that. does live in the sewers. And I, so then she stopped because it was so annoying. Oh, and it was just the like with the manipulation. Yeah. Children are little dark little fiends sometimes, I think. Yeah. They're born with this sort of darkness. And we just like society just teaches us not to mm-hmm. engage with it anymore. It's yeah. True. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that scene from it where um, Georgie's boat goes down yeah. the sidewalk and starts getting faster and faster. I'm thinking the original movie with Tim Curry and he pops out in the gutter in the grate, you know, and the little boy's like, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. And he's like, well, I'm Pennywise the clown. Now we're not strangers, Georgie. And I was just like, Hi. if I were a little kid, I'd be like, how did he already know my name? Like, Ugh. See, I think that so that's what my problem with the new movie was is the clown is so terrifying. Any kid would look at that and run the other yeah. way. Whereas yeah. the first one, I'm like, it'd be weird he's to comical. see a clown, but he looks like a normal clown. And then and he, he like opens his mouth and has razor yeah. sharp teeth and like crazy eyes when he wants to like show his evil. I think just, that's scary. I do too. I that, agree. Yeah, somebody who looks like everyone else. Well, I mean, not like a clown yeah. does, but looks like every other clown, you know, yeah. could be the this evil being. I mean, yep. that's in real life. Those yep. are the scariest people, the one who can just pass themselves off. I'm not going to lie. I saw else. the new one in the movie theater too, and I screamed so loud. I do this thing. I try and put my hands up really fast to cover my eyes, and I punched myself in the face <laughs> during part one of the new It, because I went like this too fast. I literally like punch slapped my eyeball, and I was like, oh my God. My best friend's husband thought it was hysterical. He was like crying. He was laughing so hard. I'm like, you're the worst. You're the worst. But I did it to myself. The danger was the real it's danger true. after all. Did you want me to do a couple real likes? I, I know Emily that. brought one that you wanted yeah. to mention, which is amazing. I'll let you start because mine are a little okay. bit older than yours. All right. So I brought in a dark, dark room and other scary stories. Now, this is stories retold by Elvin Schwartz. So it's the same author who compiled everything for the scary story series. Um, so now this was one that I read. I, I remember reading it in kindergarten and first grade. It's a beginner reader book. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of a good gateway to scary stories yeah. for kids. I will say it, they are pretty scary. Yeah. And I remember that too. Again, it was that kind of, um, you felt like you're getting away with something when you mm-hmm. read it. Mm-hmm. And they would... They, they bothered me as a kid, mm-hmm. as a small child, like five and six. Mm-hmm. These stories were just creepy enough to really give me the heebie-jeebies. Mm-hmm. And this is another one, too, though, because we talked about how they redid the illustrations for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, I think, because of the backlash. It looks like they did the same thing within a dark, dark room, because the 1970s illustrations in the original, were they were kind of that creepy black and white. Oh they gosh, were not yes. by Stephen Gamble. I don't know who the illustrator was, but I think they made the stories a lot creepier. I'm looking at the one i'm reading now now it's colorful it's kind of cute they look theory almost like disney-ish yes corpse bride is how how we described it and they change the tone of the story it's not as scary Mm. so i think the illustrations are everything i do too but i also think too if you have a child who's more um sensitive about scary things this these make these pretty palatable i think they could probably handle these um, maybe give a story a try and there's some that kind of border more on like the cute side of it versus the scarier side of it but it's nothing too gruesome no. And that's why they're they're good and approachable for yeah. small kids. These are like true ghost stories. Yeah, I think I read those like second, third grade maybe, and then found it again in fourth grade. And even though I was older, I like, because they're short, but I like them because they're just creepy enough that I could be scared, but not really scared. Yep. And I was saying, we were talking before we started recording, there's one, I don't know if it's called the Green Ribbon, but that mm. Green Ribbon takes place in the story. It's like a, almost like a character in the story. And I still think of that story. Mm. Um 
And it's funny, anytime I see somebody with a choker, I think about that green ribbon story and you'll have to check it out if you don't know what I'm talking about to read in. It's got of. a great ending. Yeah, <laughs> it has a great ending. It's like, oh, geez, didn't see that coming. But um, <laughs> The original picture is so scary too. I know. They were so, the people were very like, it reminded me of Edward Gorey um, yes. illustrations where they mm. were just like, people had really sallow looking skin and like really like inset eyes where they looked almost, they were human, but they almost looked like had a skeletal quality like you, like the walking dead almost where, yeah. which made it to me terrifying as a kid. Yep. Um, and as I said, before we started, there's one where they, um, this little boy keeps running into these men and as he meets each man, the guy's teeth get longer and longer and just the original illustrations were freaky. <laughs> so based on scary stories to tell in the dark, I got a few. Um, there is the cabinet of curiosities and that was by Stefan Bachman. Um, favorite scary stories of American children by Richard Young, literally disturbed by Ben Winters and there was one called Living Ghosts and Mischievous Monsters, Chilling American Indian Stories by Dan Sashawa Jones. And for the older crowd, I know um, I started reading R.L. Stein had a series called Scary Street, which they've recently turned into a series on, was it on Prime? I think Netflix. Netflix. It was, it was Netflix. on Netflix. So, um, his Fear Street was for like tween teenagers. I think I started reading those when I was 12, 13. Those used to keep me up at night. So if you have some slightly older kids that like to be freaked out, those were great. And Christopher Pike, I mentioned earlier in the episode, he was kind of dated. His stuff was really popular in the late 80s, early 90s. But um, his stories were always around teenagers. Again, I was reading these when I was probably 13, 14. I'm a children's librarian, so all my things are kind of skewing towards the younger well, crowd. Well, a so. couple adult titles came to mind when you were talking mm -hmm. because the um, Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado has a story. It's a take on that green ribbon around mm -hmm. the neck story, Ooh. and she does all her all her stories are a little creepy. Mm -hmm. And then Kelly Link, too, um, is a short story writer. But, yeah, so um, that's Kelly Link and uh, Carmen Maria Machado. We didn't talk about the illustrations being changed. Oh, yeah. yeah we should mention Don't that get me started. <laughs> <laughs> we kept alluding to this conversation that hasn't yeah. happened yet. Well, it was funny because, you know, I said I wanted to do this this book series. Yeah. And then Olivia showed me the, she's like, oh, this one. And I said, no, what is this imposter? <laughs> because they redid the illustrations in 2011. And it's a fine illustrator. I don't know who it was, but um, they, they did a great job, but it completely changed the books. Mm-hmm. And they really, I think they were watered down for... The parents had complaints. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It was in response to all the complaints from parents. And I bet after they changed them too, probably nobody really noticed these books anymore. Mm -hmm. But it took all the fun and scariness out of them. The Scarecrow story, Harold, they made him adorable. <laughs> so yeah. he looks like the Wizard of Oz Scarecrow. And I'm like, that's not menacing. No. That's not scary. Um, so and I think they got so much pushback that they reissued it in 2017 with the old mm, illustrations good. again. So good, yeah. I want to talk to Keegan and say, we need, we yeah, need, we to, need get to get the, those <laughs> we, you know, we obviously bought it during that 2011 yeah. period. But yeah, yeah, it's it's not the same at no, all. No, it really, as you said earlier, the illustrations make it 10 times scarier. So by watering it down, it really does change the experience for yeah. you. So they did oh. it just to, it's probably to pacify some choice. parents. I was reading the that publisher, like it probably could, really, I think so. I that see would be my like guess. schools having to do I'm that. guessing so they could put it in the scholastic book fairs yeah. without oh. any pushback. Yeah. Right. Cause it's always money driven. I read yeah. that. So I mentioned earlier in the, um, episode that, um, this got, challenged by some families in i think washington state in the early 90s they were saying that this was actually um one of the top challenged banned books of of the 90s the whole decade and it actually beat out like titles like hook finn and um some steinbeck titles which have been on for decades it knocked all of them out of the running for the top wow. spot because parents were so concerned with the illustrations with the violence with the gore you know cannibalism as i mentioned earlier which yeah. yeah i had that it's the most it was the most challenged series of books in the 90s yeah it although i so, think though i feel so like it never would have gotten published nowadays too no. i think it was a different yeah. time yeah, where was, right the, i'm telling you i i was mentioning to emily at the beginning of olivia i talked about growing up in the 80s and just it was yeah. a feral time for children <laughs> yeah and just stuff that 
got published then that they would definitely have a harder time speaking by nowadays, which, and it's so funny because some of those things are such classics you can't imagine, but um, we definitely have changed as a society. It's a weird thing. They interviewed the PTA mom who Mm -hmm. was, who got all that media attention for trying Mm -hmm. to ban it in Washington. And she said something like, you know, there are things that kids do need to be afraid of. Like, they do need to be afraid of strangers or, mm-hmm. you know, a stranger danger was, like, a big thing. Oh, like for they sure. They do have to be afraid of strangers, but they shouldn't have to be afraid of this, you know, monsters and all of this imagination stuff, which I thought was a strange thing to say because... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Strangers are monsters. They, sh- they need to be afraid of other people, which I sure. guess kids should have a healthy fear of strangers, but mm-hmm. there's also, like, what kind of are you trying to give your children as opposed to this other kind of fear that they think is fun and yeah. Um, yeah. not real. I think real. it's tied in with the yeah. whimsical too is like yeah. kind of like the let kids be kids but I'm like that's part of it too is this supernatural fear and this mm-hmm. belief you have in ghosts mm-hmm. and monsters and everything like that but I think that's also part of childhood. Yeah. It's kind of the magic of childhood too is yeah, that stuff seems real to you and yeah, yeah it would be it seems pretty dull to just have them concerned about real life dangers. Yeah. Just worry yeah. about climate change. There's going to be no money left by the time you get older yeah. and your house is going to cost like $8 million. Enjoy children. Yeah. Those are your real fears. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're going to find your fear and your danger somewhere. At least this is like controlled, right? It's like a controlled yeah. speci- specimen. It's a controlled experiment. I wonder if it helps but, you to develop those those coping mechanisms for the real life fears that you will face as you get older. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really true. That's a deep place to end. Yeah. I liked (laughs) that. That was perfect. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Alvin. Sorry for all the times I called you Alan. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. And Stephen Gamble, if you're still out there and you're listening, um, you are welcome to visit us at the Troy Public Library at any time. And uh, he could paint a mural. You could paint a mural in Emily's office. (laughs) That's what I need. Images from scary stories to tell. I never get any work done. I'm just staring Uh, at it all day. (laughs) (laughs) We go in and Emily's fingers are all bloody where she's bitten them down in her nerves. Slowly drives me insane. I think it would be good. I think it would add an intimidation factor yeah. to your Nobody'd ever want to come into my office. Like, why don't you want to go Stay talk away. to Emily? No reason. I have no complaints. Up with I her. have no complaints. I want it right behind me. I have a blank wall and for my Zoom calls. Oh, perfect. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Thank Thanks you. for coming, Emily. Oh, thank you. Oh, my gosh. So much fun. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Books We Loved, a podcast through the Troy Public Library. You can find more information about the books and library services we mentioned in the show on our website at troypl.org podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic for future discussion, please email us at podcast at troypl.org. Thank you for listening and happy reading. <laughs>